all you Cisco fans. I'm Nita Joe Roundtree, and I'm filling in for Cisco this week because he's leading a tour to Japan. But never fear, he will be back here at Cairo next Saturday. But along with my very special guest, I'm here to answer all your gardening questions. So give us a call at 888-973-5476. That's 888-973-KIRO. Before we get started, I wanted to let you know about a couple of special events. This is the 25th anniversary of Garden Delights at the Bellevue Botanical Garden. Garden Delights features over half a million sparkling lights formed into whimsical shapes of plants, flowers, birds, animals, and cascading waterfalls set among the natural beauty of the Bellevue Botanical Garden. It's so much fun to try to identify what flower or animal you're looking at. There's a critter map that you can pick up for free of the route that includes the list of the animal creations you'll want to find. As an extra added bonus, there are musical performances on many of the nights, and a complete listing of times and locations are on the BBG website, bellevuebotanical.org. There's also a coffee cart located inside the Warm Erin Education Center. Also in the Erin is an amazing gingerbread village display made of all edible foods and made by the Wilburton Community Homeowners. It starts next Saturday, November 30th, and runs every night rain or shine, including holidays from 4.30 to 9 p.m., all the way through until December 31st. For more information and to buy tickets, go to BellevueBotanical.org. You can also sign up to become a member of the BBG so that you can get discounts on classes and lectures. And best of all, you will support a beautiful public garden in the heart of Bellevue. Another thing that's fun to do is today only at Wells Medina Nursery, they are having their holiday open house. They have lovely decorations and delicious complimentary food and beverages, and I'll definitely stop by after the show. It's going to be from 4 to 6 p.m. today. It's fun to go to all the garden centers this time of year to see the festive Christmas displays. One last thing I'll mention is the annual winter celebration walk at Heronswood Garden. It's not until Saturday, December 21st, but I know how busy you all are during the holidays, so I wanted to be sure to give you plenty of advance notice. It's from 5 to 7 p.m., and it's a celebration of the annual journey of the sun. Stroll along luminary-lined paths through the woodland garden, Subtly aglow with holiday lights to a blazing fire where hot chocolate and cider will be served. And it's free. Go to heronswoodgarden.org for more information. I'm a member of the Heronswood Steering Committee, and so is my guest. And if you've never been to the Heronswood Garden in Kingston on the Kitsap Peninsula, you really should put it on your to-do list. Speaking of my Heronswood Committee member and special guest, I'd like to introduce Richie Steffen, Executive Director of the Elizabeth C. Miller Botanical Garden, President of the Hardy Fern Foundation, and co-author of the smash hit book, The Plant Lover's Guide to Ferns. And Richie will be giving a lecture at the Bellevue Botanical Garden Wednesday, January 15th, and I'm really looking forward to that. Well, after all that, we're out of time. But thank you for coming, Richie. (laughs) (laughs) 
Hey, it's Not great really. to be here. <laughs> Welcome to the show. It's great to see Anita Joe. It's always a pleasure to be on the show with you. Well, thank you. I'm glad you could come all the way from Kingston. Kingston? Yeah, Kingston. There, so. How's it going in Kingston? It's going great. Uh, uh, I bought 10 acres of land out there um, about four years ago. And so um, raw land, no house on there, but we've done the most important things. We've put in a well and have started planting the garden. So, <laughs> well, you know, Who needs a house when you have plants? That's right. <laughs> the house will come later, <laughs> but the, the garden has to be there. <laughs> well, Richie is also head in, in, in his many duties as executive director of the Miller <laughs> Garden. He heads up, along with his partner, Rick, Rick. Great Plant Picks. That's right. That's right. Rick runs Great Plant Picks, and then... Uh, um, he does the actual work behind it, and I'm the show pony in front. There, so, <laughs> well, you uh, <laughs> make such a good show pony, Richie. <laughs> it, it is a lot of fun to do. For, for those who may not know what Great Plant Picks is, it's a uh, uh, educational plant program that focuses on the maritime Pacific Northwest, uh, from the, the foothills of the mountains uh, to the ocean, and from British Columbia down to Eugene, Oregon. And uh, we work with a committee of professionals who pick out the most consistent, reliable, performing plants for our area. And so right now, there's a little over a 1,000 plants on the list. Wow. Yeah. And I was just on your Great Plant Picks website. Were you? Because I had to write an article about hamamillus. Oh, yeah. There's some great ones on there, aren't there? Yes, there are. And in fact, uh, most of them I think we have in our parking lot at the BBG. You do. I've seen those there, <laughs> and they're beautiful. And we're, we're just right now on the cusp of them starting to bloom on there. In, a, in about another month, uh, we should start to get the first flowers on them. And the great thing is they have such a long bloom time. That's right. That's right. With winter bloomers, they really stretch out the color season. Yes. We have a great, great winter here and into spring. That's right. Uh, um, and it, spring is my favorite six months of the year. <laughs> uh, there. There is no doubt about it. <laughs> you are so right. And I'm a hot weather girl. I, I'm just waiting for the heat of summer. And about the time it gets here, it's fall. That's right. <laughs> you, you have a week of summer and then fall sets in. Right. <laughs> so are you doing any particular special planting at the Miller Garden this time of year? We we uh, kind of on uh, there. We have a big project that we're working on this winter. So so for those who haven't been out to the garden, we are a, a small botanic garden, kind of tucked in the north end of Seattle, and we're in this private gated community. And we have a limited visitation; only five hundred visitors a year to the garden. So it's really small, but. It's a spectacular garden. Elizabeth Miller uh, built the garden, and she collected rare and unusual plants. And we sat on a bluff that looks out over Puget Sound. And so we are uh, getting ready to start working on a whole project in the lower garden where we're adding rockeries, we're adding stone staircases. So so really not so much planting plants as planting stones. <laughs> I think planting plants would be easier. <laughs> oh, it's a piece of cake for me. I just point. <laughs> no, I, I was out there pouring concrete yesterday. <laughs> well, I am really looking forward to it. In fact, I look 
forward to any opportunity that I have to go there. And in fact, one of the ways that you can get to see the Miller Garden is to sign up for a class That's right. through the Northwest Horticultural Society. That's right. Whenever we open up our regular visitation, it fills really quickly. And so we are open visitation. We've already filled for the 2020 tour season, but we do a handful of classes for the Northwest Horticulture Society, five classes a year. And uh, um, those classes will go on to their website in January. I'm not sure what day, but they'll go up there in January and people can sign up for those. And it's a great way to see the garden and a lot of fun. And to learn a lot at the class. That's right. So... um I know that you mentioned some classes that I might need to take. Yeah. So we're going to go to break, and as soon as we come back, we'll talk about those classes. In the meantime, give us a call, I'm Nita Jo Roundtree here with my guest, Richie Steffen, and we were just talking about some classes that he will be offering at the Miller Garden through the Northwest Horticultural Society, but please feel free to give us a call to ask us your gardening questions at 888-973-5476. So tell me about these classes, Richie. So um, we've been doing these classes with the Northwest Horticulture Society for over 20 years. We've, we have, over the years, we've done over 90 classes with them. And, uh, um, and so we, every year we set aside part of our visitation and we do, uh, between four to five classes. Next year, we're going to do five classes. And one of the classes uh, um, that I'm going to be teaching is on succession planting and and dealing with transitions between seasons. So uh, going and so I'm doing three different classes. We're going to do a uh, winter to spring, a spring to summer, and then a fall to winter. And all three of those seasons, I. You know, I'd, I'd have to say in the Miller Garden, my favorite times in the garden are when the seasons change because you see all of this new stuff coming up and, and you can really start to see those layers that form. And, and when we when Betty was building the garden, she did it with an eye towards making it into a year-round garden. And so it was important to have different plants that really showcased at different times of the year and uh, and to have those transitions be somewhat seamless. And so um, in that all, you know, whenever you go to the nursery, there's always something in bloom. And you just feel like, you know, if you go to the nursery all the time and you buy stuff, you're going to have a succession garden. And that sounds really easy, but it's a real talent. Uh, it is. Skill. It is. And that's actually part of the fun of gardening and part of the challenge of gardening. It, it is. The gardener's best friend is the shovel. <laughs> to to move your mistakes from one spot to another and uh, where they work. And so so we do that a lot at the garden. And so uh, these classes are going to share some of the techniques that we've uh, – and, and some of the things that we've learned about doing succession planting and uh, um, how to make those transitions happen uh, 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 and, and look somewhat seamless. Yes, I actually just got a new shovel. Oh, did you? It's called a root slayer shovel. 
<laughs> I love that. It's not always easy yeah. to change things around in your garden, but right. it's it's really fun. I, I I feel badly for the people who don't experience that joy of redecorating their garden every year. That's right. Everything in the garden should be moved at least three times. At least. <laughs> <laughs> it is part of gardening and and uh, um. And what I what we uh, one of the things that we looked at one of the first succession plantings that I ever looked at that really made me start moving things around was we were adding bulbs to the garden and we add them for a little color all the time uh, uh, to get a, a little splash but you know I really wanted this succession of bulbs one after another and so we did this where there would be a different bulb blooming almost every week mm-hmm. uh, uh, through the the early bulb season. And what I found after about the second or third bulb was blooming is that all of the other bulbs after that were coming up through this forest of ugly foliage. Yes. And so I never really, after that, I never really enjoyed the flowers. <laughs> all I was looking at was the ugly foliage below the flowers. Exactly. On there. And so it really taught me a lot about how to use bulbs in the garden. And so, so then we started looking at how we apply that to other seasons and, and other interests and how you work with annuals uh, in the garden, that, that summer color, and looking at, at bark in berries, in late season flowers. Uh, we've really, uh, the hardy cyc- the fall blooming hardy cyclamens are great for that fall transition because you get those great flowers in September and October and then that great foliage. Of course, you need a magnifying glass to see them, but. <laughs> <laughs> in no. quantity, in no. quantity. No. You, you do, yeah. you know, you never plant one, you plant hundreds that, of them. Yeah, right, exactly. You do. <laughs> <laughs> but. It's it's so refreshing to see something at the time of year when nothing else is going on. It is, you know, it it really is. I love a little, you know, I'm a, I know you love your flowers, Nita Joe. I am a flower girl, and I am a fan of foliage and texture. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but but you can have both. You can have both, and I do appreciate a little splash of color every now and again. <laughs> so you know, one of the things I I mentioned to you and and uh one of the plant groups that we have at the garden was um snowdrops and so uh you know we have this wonderful collection of snowdrops and i just bought and and so snowdrops early beautiful early season bulbs and there is this group of folks who are called galanthophiles yes (laughs) Who cannot who will spend a thousand dollars? That's right for one microscopic flower. <laughs> that's right, and so I I waffle between galanthophile and not galanthophile, <laughs> and and so we we built a collection of snowdrops of named selections of snowdrops, and and for those who may not have looked at the price tag of these things, <laughs> they are they can get kind of crazy. Yes, they can. And so you know we were adding a few, and then this year. I kind of went overboard, and I bought 40 new named cultivars for the garden. Which cost? I'm not even going to (laughs) say. Some of my board members might be listening. (laughs) I'm sure they're worth every penny. They are worth every penny. And so so this year, we have them all in little pots, and we're going to grow them up and bloom them and photograph all of the new snowdrops that we're putting in. And then, and then next, after they're done blooming, we'll add them to the garden. Oh. There. But, but 
great. You know, the snowdrop flowers, whenever you first see snowdrops, they all kind of look the same. You yes. know, yes. white on the kinda outside. like ferns. Ferns do not look anything alike. <laughs> I had a I had a feeling I would get a rise out of you. Every Robert. single fern is different <laughs> and unique and fabulous. <laughs> well, I do agree with you. <laughs> so, um, to begin with, they're all in pots. They are Scalettes. all in pots, and and the reason we did them all in pots this year is is so I can get a good look at the blooms because snowdrops are only about maybe six or eight inches tall. Right. And so so whenever you become a true galanthophile, mm-hmm. what that means is in the in the winter, you have a wet shirt on your belly. On there <laughs> because, because you're, you're on the ground. You're on the, the ground <laughs> looking at them uh, all the time. But they are really adorable. And once you start seeing the little differences between them, because snowdrops, so they're all about paying attention to the little differences. Yes. You can see the little extra green here, the double flower there. They, some of them are really wonderfully fragrant uh-huh. uh, on there. And you'd never know it if you didn't get down there and... and Put your nose crawl, right in the middle right, of that. Crawl around flower. in the mud. Well, for those of us who are not galanthophiles, they're still beautiful and especially That's planted right. in mass. They are. Yes. And, and the great thing about them is you don't have to worry about their foliage for long. That's right. Because other things are coming up and covering up that ugly dying foliage. That's right. So... I'm Nita Joe Roundtree here with my special guest, Richie Stephan, and we are going to take a short break. Please give us a call with your gardening question at 888-973-5476. And we are back. On the air, I'm Nita Joe with Richie, my very special guest, and we have a caller from Peggy in Edmonds. Hi, Peggy. Welcome to the show. Well, I'm glad to be talking to you. I have a question about uh, putting um, compost and leaves on my raised beds. I have a large raised bed garden that is almost done for the year, but I can do some uh, winter crops. I've got kale and and celery that it keeps coming up, and some arugula. But my question is, to have the tillless garden, you're supposed to just layer more compost and leaves and and things on top. And I thought, well, do I do it now so that it'll be great for the spring, or do I wait until spring? Oh, and I... should I like poke holes in it? And put it on, and I have also one, it's two parts. Uh, I also have two worm bins, and I could take one worm bin and just kind of spread it out under the, um, under the compost and the leaves, but I don't know if that's what I should be doing. So I thought, well, I'll call the experts. Well, <laughs> I'm glad you called, and I think this is a great time to be preparing your beds for winter and spring planting. How do it, you do it, Richie? It is, you know, I would, I would take and uh, uh, layer the leaves in in the compost right now. But, uh, but it, it breaks down. Shred them uh, out. Yeah, shred them first. Yeah, it would be great to shred them. Okay. Uh, there and then and then layer them out because they'll break down over the winter then and uh, uh, and be you know have, be well underway to be in a good compost by spring. There in the worm bin compost is already kind of broken down. 
And so you can mix that in or you can wait until spring. I don't, I don't think it'll make that much of a difference uh, to you. You know, if you uh, – um, actually, I don't think it'll make that much of a I difference. I just want to have way. the soil great when it's, yeah. when it's time to plant it. Yeah, since that worm bin uh, compost is already kind of broken down, it, are, do you need to clean out mm-hmm. your worm bin? That, that, you know, is it, I, don't, is it, I, I could, re, you know, save some of the worms out and throw a bunch of them out in the, the dirt as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I've got lots. If, if your I, worm, I probably should divide them. <laughs> yeah, if, you're, if your worm bin isn't full, then I would wait until spring. You know, give them a little, give them okay. a little extra compost. So if it gets cold this winter, it doesn't. Your your it insulates yeah, them. Yeah, it insulates the them a little bit. Okay, okay. All right. If you're, you know, then then I would just look at how full they are. If they're if they aren't overflowing, you're fine waiting till the spring. And I think you'll be better off waiting till okay. the spring on the worm bins. And so when I do put them on, do I put them under compost? Do I dig holes? Do I poke holes? No, you can. What's the best way to to get them in there? Well, you know, what kind of tree leaves do you have? Are you dealing with, like, maple? maple and, and cherry and... and no oak? Um, occasionally, I'll stop along the road if it's a very quiet road and just... <laughs> <laughs> Get some leaves. <laughs> so, so... You're a leaf thief. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm a, I'm a, a helpful uh, neighbor. Yes, I, that's, that's yeah. exactly right. <laughs> So, you know, different leaves will break down at different rates. And so things like maples and cherries and that sort, they'll break down quite a bit by next spring, especially if you shred them some. You know, if you get oak leaves, okay. you'll definitely want to shred those up because they break down much slower. Okay. And and uh, um, you are fine layering those on top and then, you, you know, um, uh, just as is shredded. And I think that they would, would you put would you put a little compost on top of the leaves? You, you can, and that would help speed their breakdown uh, on there if you put a little compost over top. But you know, if you if you wanted to use them as a little bit of a weed barrier, also in the in the winter, you can just put down the leaves right now and then do composting in March or something like that too. Okay. So, and then that should get you all set up. Okay. Great. Thank you very much. You've been very helpful. Sure. Good luck with your, uh, good luck with the bins. Thank you for calling, Peggy. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. If anybody else would like to call in, it's 888-973-5476. So when we went to break, you were about to tell us a little bit about the theme for Great Plant Picks. That's right. You know, every year for Great Plant Picks, we pick a new garden theme. And and this year's theme was uh, gardening for all seasons. And so we uh, focused on uh, those succession plantings uh, there. And then we will officially launch next year's theme at the Flower and Garden Show. Do you have those dates? Oh, the Flower and Garden Show. It, it starts late, it, like it around is, February 21st, that's right. I think. Y- you know those people at the Flower and Garden Show are going to kill me for not <laughs> writing that down, Nita Joe, on there. It, it is the uh, very uh, the very end of February. The last Wednesday yeah. in February. Yeah, last Wednesday, February through that weekend. Mm, yeah. On there. So, um, and uh, uh, we'll, we officially release it then, but just for you, Nita Joe. Oh. <laughs> We'll do a little sneak peek I at next lo- year's theme. I love finding out things in advance. <laughs> yes. Just for you, don't tell anyone. All right. 
So next year's plant theme for Great Plant Picks is going to be Plants for a Better Planet. And it will focus on plants that are drought tolerant, plants that are uh, native to the Pacific Northwest, and plants that are good for pollinizers. There, So it's a really wonderful mix of things to have a... Uh, a more per se sustainable uh, uh. garden, and and uh, um, and really timely for our uh, for using our resources in an efficient way for gardening. There, and it's some great stuff that's on that list. Well, I love pollinator plants because they're flowers. That's right, they <laughs> sure are. Uh. And it's really important. Some of the really early season pollinator flowers because there's not a lot out there for our pollinators and we really need them and we need to feed them. That's right. You know, uh, uh, here in the Northwest, we have a couple of bees that are very early risers. Uh, Mm -hmm. And there are some of our native bumblebees will come out in the winter on a warm day in February. You can see them buzzing around. uh, I love to see a bee in February. I know, me too. It gives me hope. (laughs) And then the the mason bees are also early risers on there. And they're great for vegetables. They really are. fruits. That's right. And so it's great to put in some late winter blooming uh, things into the garden along with some really early spring bloomers on there. So things like those early bulbs like snowdrops, crocuses are really good for them. Uh, and they, uh, um, uh, one of the wonderful things about many of those spring blooming bulbs is they're also very drought tolerant. Ah. You, you put them in areas where you don't, you don't water. have to water. That's right. That's right. There. So what are some of the things on your list? Are you allowed to tell us that or? Oh, oh yeah. Top secret. Yep. I will share a few things. All right. Well, we're going to go to a quick break. And when we get back, stay tuned because Richie will reveal his secrets. Back, it's Nita Joe and Richie on Gardening with Cisco. And we have a caller, Anne from Kitsap County. Thank you for calling, Anne. Thank hey there, you, guys. I just have a question about some very old kiwi vines. Mm-hmm. Kiwis. All right. They are, uh, when they were planted, it was a lovely sunny location. And over the years, I've been watering them and their leaves keep going you know, getting all sprightly. They've never given any fruit. But over the years, the Douglas fir behind them, the fig over next to them, there's a lot of competition now. And and this summer, no matter how much I watered them, their leaves just sagged. Yeah. 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 Time to make a change. That's what I figured. But I don't know uh, whether I should, how much to trim them, before I move them, how big of a root ball to take? What do you mm. think, Richie? Well, you know, I, I have never transplanted old kiwis, but here is what I would suggest that you do. And that with, with big plants, uh, with big old vines like that, it, it, it's got to be a pretty good-sized vine right now. So, so I would prune that. I would take and prune it back fairly hard. Uh, and 
the key to it is trying to get as big a root ball as what you can on it. And and uh, um, what I would what I tend to do is right now during the winter, it, has it dropped all of its leaves yet, or is it still hanging on? Almost the top few are still hanging on, but it's pretty close. After okay. this week, those top few will probably be gone. That's right; they probably <laughs> will be. A little chilly weather will do it. On the way. There. <laughs> Taken, you know, once once those last few leaves have dropped off uh, there, and it's do- and then it'll be dormant, and you can move it any time from then on, and and to get as many roots as you can, start digging much bigger than what you think you can move, and you could, you know, I would I would try bare rooting it because you'll be able to get more roots uh, whenever you move it, and and it could probably tolerate it. You're going to need my new root slayer shovel. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) You probably will. With that dug fur nearby, you're going to have a lot of other roots. Oh, yes. That is going to be a job. That's why, yeah, there's, it's um, growing so tall because there was no, the other plants have just taken over the sunshine. So, yes, there's a lot of roots down there. And you said you never got fruit on it? Never. So, did you ever see it bloom? No. <laughs> I figured. I figured maybe they were just two girls, rather than. Th- that, I mean, that's what I was going to say. Is you might have two girls or two guys uh, <laughs> there, and and so you know, and and the flowers aren't the easiest thing to see. They're kind of in the leaves some. So you know, w- when you move that. Uh, on there, you want to put it in, you know, a, a place with good, well-draining soil, some place where you can give it regular water and through the next few years to let those roots reestablish, and then keep an eye out for for uh, for blooms, and then uh, when it flowers, look at it, to look at them to see whether they're boys or girls, and and uh, you can tell by the the flower uh, on there. And what you can do is is they have, I've seen great shots on the internet of male and female Kiwis, but take your cell phone and take a picture. And because then you can also send that off to like master gardeners and that sort, and they can help you ID them. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that you could tell by the flowers. That's great. You sure can. Yeah. So just keep an eye on them. They probably won't bloom for you this year or next year, but then the following year, they should be settled Uh, in enough to start flowering. Cross my fingers. I thought maybe they were too old yeah um, so that makes me happy that yeah. they're not yeah and d- just keep the water uh flowing pretty readily over this year and next year to get them settled in okay all right okay, good that's nope good luck with them thank you i'm crossing my <laughs> fingers <laughs> but thank you very much i had no idea how to proceed so i'll take care of them once it gets cold okay right. thank you for your call Anne. Well, okay. you know, that's kind of exciting. I really love the idea of kiwis. And now that I have 10 acres, I'm going to have to try a few <laughs> out there. <laughs> you'll have room for all kinds of things, but I bet you'll be surprised how fast you fill it up. <laughs> Knowing you, Richie. <laughs> uh, it does fill up fast. Yes, you'll have a regular botanical garden. You'll be in competition with Heronswood. I will be. I'm right up the road from them. <laughs> I know oh, you are. There. So, you know, and, and I started, this is the first property that I've had where I've been able to buy trees. Oh, um, yeah. And so, you know, I've been trying to be restrained on <laughs> buying trees, 
But, you know, Nita we've known each other for a while. And so, you know, restraint is not my strong not suit. Not your better suit. No. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> so we were talking about, before the break, some uh, pollinator plants. That's right. You know, uh, um, one of the... the uh, Great focuses for next year's themes plant for a better planet for great plant picks is pollinators. And so, um, uh, uh, and we we're talking about early season uh, bloomers right. for those early pollinators, mason, the mason bees, bees, bumblebees, right. that sort. And so, some wonderful early season pollinators are things that we see in landscapes all the time. So, the winter blooming heaths, uh, heathers, are fabulous because they bloom. Uh, they have a long season of interest, and there's some great cultivars out there now uh, um, in in really nice uh, uh, deep pinks and and uh, um, very prolific whites that sort. And there's um, uh, right after those kind of finish another very early season uh, what I call a spring ephemeral, which is something uh-huh. that comes up, blooms, and then vanishes by early summer. Uh, anemone nemorosa, the wood anemone. I love those. those you gave s- me some of those a long time ago, I, that cultivar, a double cultivar oh, called yeah. Bestil. Oh, right? yeah. That's really a beautiful plant. I love those. In fact, yeah. I bought some more of them. Did I like them yeah. so well. Yeah. It, it, those have this little daisy-like flower, and they can be in blue, white, uh, pink, and they, they're tough as nails. And they form these beautiful carpets, and they're great for mixing and weaving in other ground covers. Yeah, I was afraid that my I had lost mine during one very particularly cold winter, and I, I, uh, I was telling um, somebody that I thought I had lost them. And he said, "Don't worry, Nita Joe, yeah. they will be back." Yeah. And sure enough, they were. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I love. Uh, long blooming plants too, which are, which are great. Um, uh, and, uh, one of the best long bloomers, uh, that I also love because it's very fragrant is, uh, Daphne Eternal Fragrance. Oh, I like that Daphne. Yeah. yeah. All season long and it's great for the pollinators. And it, and it blooms on and off all summer long. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. I had that in a pot for a long time, and it finally bit the dust, as Daphne's are prone to do. But it did last a lot longer than some. Yeah, yeah. It's a good, tough one. All right. Well, Richie, thank you so much for coming and being on the show today. I wish we had another hour to talk. (laughs) You and I could talk about plans for days. Well, thanks for having me on, Nita Joe. It's always a pleasure to be on the show with you. All right. Well, next week, Cisco will be back on Gardening with Cisco. Thank you for listening.